Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Welcome everyone. This is Felicia and guys, I'm so excited. We have Heather Chauvine back with us. Uh, We have interviewed her. Actually, I think it's been a few years now. And Heather, I just adore you. I love your work. I'm just so excited to have you back on Find the Magic. So welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I love it when this is like post-COVID, Heather, we're all like a different version of ourselves. <laughs> yes, it's so true. I I feel like there's been so many um, awakenings, personal awakenings, cultural awakenings, um, re, what's the right word, reinventions of self. And when we first interview you, interviewed you, you were working on your book, Mom is in Control, or you had just published. Um, Mm-hmm. So why don't, for our audience who hasn't heard that episode that we will for sure link, why don't you tell us what got you started in um, your personal development journey and and where it's led you now after COVID? Yeah. So the book, Dying to Be a Good Mother. So my book is called Dying to Be a Good Mother, but my podcast used to be called Mom oh, is in yes. Control. Oh, yeah. Thanks for correcting me. Sorry. And all good. All good. People do it all the time. So Um, the transition though, this was interesting. So my book came out in 21. So it was March of 2021. And, you know, it's, it's a prescriptive memoir of my story. And so the kind of the nuts and bolts, the short version of my story is motherhood was that quote unquote awakening. That was my first moment of awakening where, I really said to myself, not this, not this. And my stuff was really mirrored back to me around never wanting my child to feel the way that I felt as a child, but also, (laughs) you know, all the mother wounds and everything coming up. And in hindsight, I look back and realize that was the cracking, that was the calling. And so parenting was a big thing for me that I dove into, conscious parenting. Um, My background is in social work and I was working at the time in a traditional model And I just remember feeling so out of alignment. And what I mean by that is my insides were saying like, not this, like you can't be in this career for 30 years. I don't know how this is going to happen. And I could see this like train wreck about to Mm -hmm. happen where I could see in the future of like my misery getting bigger and bigger and bigger and how I was going to project that onto my children and maybe end up in divorce and like all the things that are culturally accepted. Um, But for whatever reason, a part of me decided to listen to it and say, you are worthy of wanting more, like just start exploring. And so I had to jump outside the conventional ways. I had to, you know, I went to therapy, I went to the doctor, I did all the things, but I had to start asking other questions. And so I started reading books, doing all the things. And it was about six months before my youngest, who's now nine, I decided to like cut off that safety net and leave my corporate job. And I was head down in building my business. And as I was building my business, um, 
you know, scared shitless and doing it anyways. I'm, you know, literally breastfeeding and like, you know, rocking the other one with my foot and just throwing Cheerios on the ground and doing all the things. And I'm getting like, I'm getting notoriety, notoriety, I'm just making up words now. I'm getting feedback, let's say feedback from people. It's my tongue tied. Feedback from people indicating that I'm a good mother. I'm a good mother. I'm superwoman. I'm awesome. Like, look at me go. And on the inside, I'm dying, literally. And I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. I'm chronically fatigued. I barely eat, never leave the house because I just wake up and work and then take care of the kids and go, 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 go. And here I am going, not this, not this, not this. And I'm hiring mentors. Like, I'm invested. I'm getting on a plane and I'm going to the conferences. I'm doing the retreats. And I get to this point where I can no longer um, avoid my health. And I go to the doctor and I'm diagnosed on the spot with stage four cancer. Well, I'm diagnosed with cancer, later finding out that it's stage four. And part of my book, Dying to Be a Good Mother, is talking about how you know, before that I was physically dying, like discounting and abandoning my needs mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And then I get this diagnosis where I was physically like dying. Like if I, if I actually stopped, if I kept going the way that I was going with the belief systems that I had, that self-care is selfish, putting yourself on your to-do list. I don't have time for myself. I was going to die. And so I could no longer live and operate from that belief system. But here was the scary part. I stopped and I was like, okay, that's when I started podcasting because I'm like, is anyone else out there struggling? Like, why is everybody okay with this? And I couldn't find a mentor who was doing both well, raising children that she wanted, you know, being the mother she wanted to be while going after her career goals. I couldn't find her. And I had to become that person. And so nine years later, you know, my company has grown ridiculously. We're in seven figures and um, I'm helping women all over the world um, understand their children's behavior while also understanding their own behavior and creating that quote unquote balance that they crave. Um, but it's a huge unlearning. And so when the last time we chatted, we were talking about the book, Dying to Be a Good Mother through the launch of that. But what I've noticed in the transition into the podcast going now to emotionally uncomfortable is it's not that we don't know what we need to do. It's that we want to feel joy and freedom and alignment. And people are buying into these, even in the online space, like, get rich quick schemes, toxic positivity, and they actually have no emotional intelligence skills to understand. So it's not that not only are we unlearning the cultural beliefs of who you need to be as women, which is deep, 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 deeply rooted, and you have to have the courage to start taking that action, but the science behind the identity shift of like, I am now a woman whose standard is that I deserve to feel good and wealth is my baseline. Like poverty and debt are no longer 
options for me, where a lot of us grew up with that as our identity and around us. We're living in a time where that doesn't have to be our reality anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you hit on so many points that I want to make sure that we, uh, that we circle back through. So for those of you listening, you're like, wait, bookmark, bookmark. I want to talk more about that. I've got you. We're going to go back through. But the first thing I wanted to touch on was when we, when I open your website, your quote that you have on just the main page is get out of survival mode and step into your wildest dreams, which I love. Um, and when I read it in a moment, I was like, I almost want to cry because I think as women who are parenting in some capacity, who are caregiver, caregivers, mothers, um, I think a lot of the times the feminine energy resonates towards that role um, or like gravitates towards that role. Um, we can, we feel that survival mode, um, the overwhelm and, and yet we keep putting stuff on the plate and we keep holding more marbles. So it's really interesting how, and you're saying like, this is kind of the person that you guide is this person who then also has this woman who also has these dreams and these goals. Um, but I do want to say at the same time as that resonates, I do have a little bit of like, ooh, a bristle against like that push of the achievement and doing more. So, so how do you help women like take that paradigm that's so tricky and find the truth in themselves not the truth of like, you know, what, what all these like life coaches are telling us, yeah. like how, how did you, like you said that you, you know, you listened to yourself and you could see this future snowballing. What are, what are your tools to find that inner voice? So I'm going to tell you a few stories and I'll probably rant for a little bit and then you can bring me back. Yes, I love but it. I, I put myself back in that version of myself. Cause if I can go there, I'm very disconnected from her. Like I don't have, there's not very much of me that identifies as her anymore. And so this is where we lose empathy for people because we're like, how are they struggling? It's like their reality is not my reality. Their desires are not my desires, which is the beautiful thing. And that's what makes us all unique. And I, I will go back to that moment where I was searching. Like we all, I tell people, your behavior is a symptom and it's also a breadcrumb. And what I mean by that is anger, yelling, discontentment, overwhelm, like all these chronic things, these are a symptom. Just because they're culturally normal does not mean you need to accept them to be your truth. Like, oh, this just is what it is. And I remember as a, like 10 years ago, I would ask people in my world, which is typically family and friends, do you feel this way too? And they would say, yeah, suck it up, buttercup. Mm -hmm. um, I literally went to my doctor and was like, this is what's happening or this is what my child's behaviors are presenting. And they're like, yeah, welcome to adulthood. Welcome to parenting. And I just thought, oh, wow, no. Like I was already identified as like a very sensitive person that I knew there was that deeper desire for quote unquote more or different. And I kept pursuing it, even though I didn't necessarily believe in it. So I'm really encouraging anyone listening to this that wants more, 
I always tell them, use the journal prompt, wouldn't it be nice if. If you say, wouldn't it be nice if, whatever you put on that list, that is inside of you to be birthed. That is inside of you to come out in the world. And your list is not going to look like my list. And I don't know how you're going to get from point A to point B exactly. It's cliche when they say it's about the journey, not the destination. But I can teach you and show you how to have the persistence and the daily action, like what it takes to get there. But if you are telling yourself that I can't, I can't, I can't, I won't, you won't. And it doesn't matter how much essential oils you rub on yourself or diffuse in your house. That shit ain't going to change because you have to have the persistence to do that. And I guarantee you, you will not find that in traditional conventional ways. So I started taking action and I started noticing that the people I put my trust and faith and power into, I outgrew their knowledge. I outgrew their wisdom And therefore, I stopped trusting them. And I started trusting myself, even though I didn't trust myself. I said, just try this. And I started realizing that if I listened to myself and I acted on it just moment by moment by moment, and I got the feedback of feeling better, more alive, making more money, then I could trust that and less on the people that I was kind of allowing to dictate my actions previously. And so I'm like, I'm like, you had a question. I don't know. if I No, 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 no. You totally, you totally did. The offloading of our, um, what's the right word? Our intuition, I think is something that, mm-hmm. you know, like as women, we're kind of culturally taught to give our, agency, our intuition, like we're, we're taught to be disembodied. And the really sad thing about that is that we are so intuitive by nature. And if we could listen to ourselves, if we could recognize the feedback that we're receiving, we would have our answers. And something that I really love that you said that I think answered my question is when you said, if I, if I felt like I could feel there was something more or different or better. And I think sometimes when we hear your wildest dreams, it's like, wait, but I'm not really sure that I want to be like the CEO of a company or that I want to like write a book or that I want to, you know, run my own small business. Like at what point can I choose maybe the opposite that this, you know, whatever I want to choose is enough. And that's where our intuition comes in because as much as culture can tell us to just kill yourself and sacrifice yourself at the the altar of parenting, it can also tell us, or the other option is like be this multi-million dollar small business owner while you parent. So like, I think the key to all of this is listening to ourselves. And I know, mm-hmm. I know that is at the heart of of what you're teaching um, your clients. Do you have, is there like a program that you can give us a taste of that you take your, um, the people that you're mentoring through or is it ever changing and evolving? 
No, there's a typical process that I take people through. Um, I have two programs. One's for a woman who is not a business owner. And then one is for a woman in business because I noticed that we were doing this in our business as well, like discounting ourselves or over-mothering, over-nurturing, hustling in the business um, versus doing that personally. But I believe personal growth is professional growth. Um, There's other strategies, but here's what I typically notice. It's not necessarily like we have the modules. Um, There's something I call, I teach that's kind of like my core methodology that I created, which is called energetic time management. And it's about reverse engineering how you want to feel in all areas of your life, your parenting, uh, your work, your daily, your, your relationship to time. Um, and that's incredibly challenging for people because you're reverse engineering and it takes time. So I typically work with people in eight month containers of space. And at the end of that eight months, they typically have an identity shift and they're like, oh my goodness, like, why did I wait so long to do this? And I'm like, because you, you bought into a cultural belief that suffering equals success. And being emotionally uncomfortable is not about feeling blissful all the time. Being emotionally uncomfortable is accepting that like you are human and having emotion is part of the process. But if you don't understand how to manage and work through your fear or work through your guilt, you will not understand how to reach and achieve joy and achieve that freedom and have the courage to do the emotionally uncomfortable things. So it's not about quitting your job and starting a business. It's really about saying, do I have the courage today to sit down and go, what does freedom where I'm at in my life to me represent? And that may be saying, I can wake up and have a super slow morning with no stress. Or if the children are triggering me, I don't react and scream. Like if that is your dream right now and you can achieve that, that gives you a sense of possibility. And then you get to see the next level and the next level. And there was something that you said earlier about survival mode. And it wasn't until I did a TEDx talk and I kind of like went through this curriculum process where I realized survival mode was on this little, I guess, pyramid Um, And I called it like sustainable ambition model and survival mode was at the bottom. And then on top of survival mode was the state of momentum. And then the state of like thriving in your life. And then this like beyond creative abundance, like this blissful state. And if I am operating in a state of survival mode in most areas of my life, then when something like 2020 happens, you are going to drop down into a crisis state. So when I was in chemo and cancer recovery, all the ways that I did it with functional medicine and everything, um, I realized what was not sustainable in my life rather quickly, mm-hmm. which was almost every bucket of my life. So it was like my all areas of my life were set on fire. Fast forward, 2020 happens, world crisis happens, And my husband and I look at each other and I'm crying, like literally brings me to tears right now. And I'm like, I'm having a deja vu, except this time we're not living in survival mode in any area of our life. And I'm like, now the world is going to understand and maybe have their wake up call. And you can be in a state of momentum or a state of thrival and something happens and you drop down into survival state. 
But the whole point is that your identity is not like, that is not your inner thermometer. Mm -hmm. Your inner thermometer is a thrival state now. And going through the identity crisis that happens from a survival state to a state of momentum to a state of thrival, that is the emotionally uncomfortable work. When I get to sit there and say, I'm good. I'm comfortable in all areas of my life and I still want more. There's something else brewing inside of me that wants to be birthed. Do I believe that I am worthy of going after that next level dream because I'm living in a state of thrival or momentum? And my mother has always lived in a state of crisis. My grandmother has always lived in a state of crisis or survival mode. Here I am breaking generational patterns, not only for my lineage, but also every woman watching me. Mm -hmm. And that is emotionally uncomfortable. Yeah. And to go into those spaces and really, I think what would be helpful is, you know, sometimes when we hear, I think a lot of women are in denial about the, the buckets and the state that they're living in. And I, you know, you talk to a lot of women. I would love for you to paint a picture of what that can look like in the different buckets that could help some of our listeners with the awareness of, you know, it feels like this now, but what thriving would be like would be this. Do you have some examples of that? Yes. I share a lot of I share a lot of these examples inside my book. So if you want to go get that, you can dying to be a good mother. You can listen to it on audibles as well. I love listening to audiobooks, which I don't know if, who needs to hear this, but if you listen to a book, that is also a qualifier that you have read a book. Count it. I am so, I am so sick of like, well, if you didn't sit yes. down and like let go of perfection, go for a walk, listen to the damn book that still qualifies that you're mm-hmm. reading it. Um, so I have three amazing boys who are, have three very different brains. And just because other people are struggling does not mean I need to, too. So here I am running a business, raising children who two out of three struggle in the current educational system with a partner who is not a dreamer or a visionary like me. And every single day I get to choose. And so living in this thrival state is the option is gifts gifts you the option of in the morning, a child having a meltdown as they would and you being able to hold the boundaries and hold the space for their big emotions without taking your day out. Mm -hmm. You saying, oh crap, the wind shifted direction and this happened. We got this. I know exactly what I need to do. I'm going to plan it out. I'm going to take action. I know how to manage my resistance when it comes up. I remember days when I could not get out of bed and I was labeled as clinically depressed. And I would go to my doctor and the only option was to talk about my problem and to medicate my problem. And I am here for medication. I would, I physically do not feel like I would be sitting in this chair 
if medication did not exist. But what I'm saying is that deeper part of you that is like, there's something more, there's something else. What do I need to take radical responsibility for? Can I understand these thoughts that are in my mind and not give them so much power? Can I rework my mindset? Can I rework my actions? Can I give myself space to say, I'm taking Friday off, kids. Let's go do an adventure. How can I? How can I? How can I? And so when you're living in a completely different identity and a thrival state in your life, it's not that the people around you need to change in order for you to change or feel like you are changing. You are choosing to live differently and invest your time differently. And those people by association and being in your ecosystem naturally change. And so it is mind blowing to me that becoming the, this is so cliche and tacky and cheesy. And I say it all the time. When you become the person that you most desire your children to be, when the big shit hits the fan, it doesn't take you out because you've already done the work. Mm -hmm. And so watching, like I am probably in one of the most emotionally uncomfortable parenting stages of my life. And I'm like, I don't know what the answer is, but I know I have the courage to show up every single day and to figure it out. And that when that happens with your money, being able to say, you know what, if I don't work a day in my life, or not a day in my life, but if I don't work a day for the next six months or a year, we're good, right? Being a sole income earner or a breadwinner. Um, my husband and I can handle confrontation. We can handle the emotionally uncomfortable conversations. I know how to navigate those emotionally uncomfortable relationships. That is what a thrival state looks like in people's life. It's not about perfection. It's not about being on a beach on your laptop all the time. You're going to do that. But if you also don't know how to handle your shit, as soon as your children enter the beach scene, you're going to be like, ah, this is stressful. I can't handle this. So it's really knowing how to manage the inside out. Yeah. So hopefully everyone here has seen Encanto. If you're listening, you haven't seen Encanto. I need you to go see this movie. <laughs> Watch it with your kids. But when you were like explaining this, obviously there was like this wave of people who connected with, um, gosh, I can't remember the, the character's name, but um, the surface pressure feeling the song under the surface, you know, I'm talking about, have you seen Encanto? I have never seen this. Heather, movie. you've got to, you have to watch this. And I'm saying this from a person. I would never watch a kid movie without my kids. I, I do not enjoy these cartoon situations, but this movie is amazing. And there's a song in it where the character is basically, she's carrying the weight of the world. Yeah. And after this movie came out, there's just this cultural, like this social wave where like all these moms were like, I'm her, like, this is my life. Like one drop in one of the buckets and it comes crashing down. Like I'm the engine. I'm the only reason the train is moving on the tracks. And what I, what I hear you saying when you're explaining this and what I feel in my bones from personal experience and from being surrounded by a community of mothers where I hear their plight is if 
one drop in one bucket or one straw or one meltdown sends you into a spiral, you are in survival mode. That is your, you know, red, red flag, red light, whatever you want to say. That's the alarm that you should listen to that things need to shift and change. And I don't know. I think a a lot of women are under the assumption that that is how that is just normal. Like that is just life. They've given, I'm getting excited. (laughs) They've given their power away one drop at a time over the years. And we could get in a social justice conversation about patriarchy. We could get like, there's so many layers to this. Mm -hmm. And I even have a hard time with social justice because I think it's very oppressive sometimes when it is misconstrued the wrong way. And every time something happens culturally, um, and then I see, I even see it online where, you know, now it's like, oh, I, I can't show up because I can't take away from this experience and this experience. And I'm like, listen, we live in such a privileged culture that you are, you give your power away when something happens because you live in denial on a daily basis that that shit is not happening every single fucking day. Mm -hmm. And if you actually believe that what you see on the media or what is trending is the only time it ever happens, you are living in denial and wildly privileged to understand that that mild emotional inconvenience for you is not somebody's everyday reality. And so when you step into like humanity and realize that by you showing up as your quote unquote best self, which is, I'm not a huge fan of that term, but when you show up and every day you're just doing the emotionally uncomfortable work to step into how you want to feel, guess what I get to do? Because I'm not living in survival mode. I get to give more. I can one, be more present for my children and do the work at home. As uh, Mother Teresa said, like it all starts at home. Mm -hmm. And then I get to give to my community. So when the food banks ran out in 2020, when no one was donating because they couldn't, um, we collected food. We did what we could while social distancing. We donated financial funds because I was living in a state of momentum or thrival. When everyone is living in a state of survival and actually shrinking themselves and dimming their light because they don't want to inconvenience anybody and they want to believe that their purpose and worth is in how much they give, give, give and how much they can bleed and how much they can just suck themselves dry. I'm still waiting for the day that somebody can debate me on how that is life enhancing and going to change the world. So it's unfortunate to say, but like my tolerance is extremely low, whether I have a friend. I love when I'm in company with people who I'm like, ooh, you're not taking radical responsibility for how you want to feel there. And they're like, thank you. Thank you for calling me out. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Because when it comes from a place of love and compassion, it's a different energy by somebody than somebody bullying Mm -hmm. you. But 
you know, I say to people all the time, I'm like, that's a great story you're telling yourself. And some say to me, like, I don't understand. Explain that to me. And I'm like, that's a mental loop of a story that you tell yourself to keep yourself safe. And if you can just acknowledge that you refuse to take action because it's scary, be like, oops, that's scary. That feels vulnerable. Just acknowledge it and know that this, all this work takes time. But if you are unwilling to acknowledge that you actually got yourself somehow got yourself backed into this corner where you feel that if one, one more straw, one more meltdown, one more, whatever is going to take you out. Let me know how that is inspiring to your children. Let me know what you're role modeling for your child, regardless of gender. Let me know how you are proud of the mother that you've become based on that statement alone. Yeah. And, and just like on that note, how terrifying, if we look at, you know, child psychology, how terrifying that is for kids to know, to feel like they have the power because that's what they feel in that moment. And guess what? Kids don't want the power. They are, it is frightening for them to feel like if I lose it, my, like I have control of my parents' emotions of their physical body because they're going to hit me of their voice. Cause they're going to yell at me. Like we, we do, uh, that is not, that is like red flag big time. If we're yeah. giving that power to our kids, it's really, really scary for them. Um, and most of my generation, I mean, in general, I think we're at a time where the awareness is there and it's, it's actually on a positive note, amazing to like watch Instagram or TikTok and see, you know, the mental health awareness that's out there. And of course we can, there's always pros and cons to that. But I think people raising children today, you know, they didn't grow up with these emotionally intelligent parents. And so you have to ask yourself, how did I feel emotionally responsible for my parents' well-being, for my parents' happiness? Um, did you have to tiptoe around them? And just knowing that if you can change one beha- behavior or one pattern, like the gift you are giving your children. Um, I catch my kids all the time saying, you know, things, but I will ask them, like, do you feel safe and do you feel loved? Then my job is done. Because if you feel psychologically safe in my presence, I don't care if you get straight A's. I want you to have the inner confidence and inner like esteem, self-esteem to know that anything is possible. And if I can teach you that deeply rooted belief that you have value in this world and you are worthy of being loved and whatever that is, my job is done because you, you will go out into the world and be self-motivated to educate yourself. Mm -hmm. And do you see that being, um, one of the things that women have a hard time unlearning the, that our kids, like their outcome is our responsibility. I, I see that in like the mothers that we talk to that it's, you know, if my kid is, it's a hard balance. Cause right. There are big things that we can do to help our kids, to guide them. And they aren't us. Like we can, we, you know, we're like the bow, we can shoot the arrow, but ultimately it's like, they're their own thing. So how do you help women unlearn that pattern? 
Yeah. So I, I'm there too. Um, riding this line between being controlling mm-hmm. to a child's future versus paying attention to my intent. And if my intention is to, so I would say that most humans, regardless of your role, uh, were wildly selfish and egotistical. And most of the time when you actually observe somebody's behavior and you get to the core of their why, it is all self-serving behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, I have built a career on helping women unlearn and get clear on their intentions of the life that they want to live. And I will tell you, I still, it's self-serving for me to want my child to thrive because I am so terrified of worst case scenario. But using my fear for good, using my fear of the primal instinct for me is like my biggest fear is like being on my deathbed and feeling like I failed as a mother. And if I'm like, you know what, I did the best that I possibly could and I truly authentically feel like that, I have to come back to like, what do I have control over? I have control over my behaviors, my reactions. So if I'm working on that most of the time, great. But I also can challenge and coach my children, guide them to become the best versions of themselves. And every single day I have to deal with that balance between when to push, when to back off, when to let them feel the natural consequences of their actions versus really taking a stand for them. But when it, and that's, that's the duality of life, right? So I don't think there's a perfect answer, but paying attention to that. I was scrolling, you know, we're recording this kind of during the end of the year period and I was scrolling through, so I live in Canada and the American culture for academics is very different. Never, we usually don't see children here when they're done high school what they call like senior photo shoots. Like we don't do that here. I actually think it's mildly hilarious that everyone has like essentially like a wedding photographer (laughs) take photos of their child in front of the car that their parents purchased for them. And it's just like this trophy of like, and then you post it on Facebook, uh, which is informed consent around like, using your child as this trophy and then hashtag proud mom. Mm -hmm. And what you're actually saying to everybody is look at me, look at my accomplishment, which is beautiful. And I love it. And I understand that. And then there's people watching you that their children are really struggling or they don't have the privilege to invest in that in their children, which is fine. You don't have to like take into everyone else's consideration, you know, their feelings, but I just think motherhood is wildly self-centered. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, it's, yeah. well, on the same note and kind of a very similar example, my son just was trying out for this, this soccer club. And one of the coaches told us, you know, he's like, we give these kids these offers of teams and there's tears, right? And guess who makes the choice every time? The parent. The kid's not considered in the decision, you know, and there's these kids who, 
you know, for them, it's like, I want to play soccer because it's fun and with my friends. And yet their parent will say, well, if they have the chance to be on the top team, that's way more practice and way more travel and not really fun. And they don't know anyone. I'm going to choose the top team for them. And, and the coach was just making the observation of what you're saying, how much ego goes into our choices as parents. And I think what I hear you saying is just the awareness. Awareness is key and looking at your intentions for each decision you're making with your kids. Yeah. Parenting is extremely embarrassing. (laughs) Um, It brings up, I listen, I hear women all the time saying like, my child did this, I reacted this way. And I was like, what happened? Like, what, when you actually stop and pause and go, why did I react that way? Typically what I hear is my fear of being judged. My, I'm embarrassed. Um, I'm afraid and it's okay. Like to understand, like if you want to hide in your life, like having a child is the most, I always call it personal development on steroids because they will bring up every insecurity you've ever had in your entire life and force you to heal. And I literally said this to my son the other day. He's 17. I've been into conscious parenting-ish, like actively doing this work on myself since he was a baby, but I would say around four years old. He's now at the point where he's, he, well, he's called me out on my own bullshit for a very long time, but he's at the point now where he's like, I am not here to please you. I am not here to get your validation. <laughs> and... And I'm like, I get that. And I still have this story in my mind of who you need to become. And so it's this push-pull between challenging him to become that person and really hold that container of space while also allowing him as a soul having a human experience to fail, to navigate his messy middle, to do things that I may not agree with and to hold my own fear and vulnerability and to deal with my own shit. And I, there is no perfection. It's a journey. Um, and I am so grateful that I've created that relationship with my children where he can look me in the eyes and say, I'm making this decision and I know you don't approve. And, but yet there's still this mutual respect Mm -hmm. that is like success to Mm -hmm. me. I think that's beautiful. And Um, A really good resource for anyone listening. I love Brene Brown's The the Gifts of Imperfect Parenting. It's short. It's like maybe one hour, two hour audiobook. Um, Just plugging the audiobooks again. But it touches on this duality that we're talking about. And it, it really is a beautiful like guide to embracing the lack of control we really have. Because it's really just that we need to realize that and come to a comfortable term or come to a comfortable place with it. We can't change that. We don't have that control. (laughs) When my podcast was called mom is in control. Everyone would like literally search mom control. control. I need control. (laughs) And the first thing I would say on the podcast. So when people heard that, they're like, who is this woman? (laughs) And then the first thing they heard on the podcast is like, I'm here to teach you that you have no control, (laughs) but how to feel in control. And by feeling in control is, is 
that's a personal journey that you have to choose to go on. Yes. So it's, it's internal. Yes. Um, and some of the yeah. words that I love, um, the verbiage that you choose to use with, uh, your, your message and some of the words, you know, like if we're talking about that control piece, but some of the, the feelings that I think help us feel, help us get to this place that you're talking about where we know we can trust ourselves enough that we are thriving. Um, you yeah. often use aligned, fulfilled, grounded, all of these words. When I hear them, I'm like, yes, yeah, sign me up. I would like to feel all those things. <laughs> so maybe give us a taste of how, how and why you focus on, on these feelings, like creating these feelings. Yeah. So I give huge credit to Danielle Laporte um, and manifesting in general. Um, we're all saying the same shit, except in a different language and somebody will say it for you and it will just click. And Danielle Laporte was that person for me previously to cancer in my life. So, which I don't even, I've lost track of how long ago it was. It was 2014, but her book desire map came out. And I remember the whole concept and she says this publicly is like, it's not the thing you're after. It's the feeling. So you want more money. Why? How do you think you're going to feel when you have more money? A free, abundant, whatever. You want a bigger house. Why? I want more space. I want X, Y, Z. I want freedom. I want whatever status, whatever that is. You want whatever it is, right? Everything that you want, you write down the feeling. And then the whole point, and they talk about this publicly and manifesting is like, act as if you are already feeling that way. Like you're already abundant and have the belief. So anytime in my life, like when I was like closest to death, okay, I'm like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And I'd repeat that. And I'd have fear pulsing through my body. And I'm like, okay, Heather, I'm pretty sure you don't want to feel dead. How do I translate this actual concept into reality for a practical person? And that was where, that was the gap that I thought the personal development industry does not do well. Um, you know, everyone pays attention, reads the secret, gets, you know, does the whole watch the video and makes their vision board, crosses their fingers, and then acts way out of alignment with how they want to feel. Mm -hmm because some, something else is going to take care of them. The universe is going to do the work. And what I noticed was I had to do that work in the moment, which is where I come in talking about being emotionally uncomfortable. And so there I am on the bathroom floor in fetal position going, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And I'm like, this is not how you want to feel. What do you want to feel? Daniela says, Daniela Laporte says, it's not the thing. It's the feeling. Well, the thing I want to do is a whole bunch of things, travel, blah, blah, blah. But I can't do that right now. I'm at like, I'm dead. I'm almost dead. So I'm like, how do you want to feel? I want to feel alive. I want to feel alive. I want to feel alive. Okay. If I want to feel alive and embody that when I'm feeling the complete opposite, what can I do right now in this moment? And I had to start reconditioning my brain to focus on the feeling I did want instead of the feeling I did not want. And so on a practical level, that's how I created energetic time management. And on a practical level, I did things like 
how do I want to feel? I want to feel alive. So the next day I got up and I was like, take a shower, go sit on the porch. Cool. Take a shower, go sit on the porch. Those are two things. Those are two little votes for the person I want to become and how I want to feel. And I just had to keep chipping away like that. And so that's every day. I'm like, how do I want to feel? What do I want? What little votes am I taking towards the person that I want to be and how I want to feel? And I had to recondition my brain, change my identity and slow and steady. That's how you get there. Yeah. I think this is a beautiful step for, um, you know, you offer this from a very extreme place that you were in. And we know that there are mothers who are in the thick with little kids and they're, they're in an, a very emotionally, mentally extreme place of, you know, maybe it's anxiety or depression or whatever it is. And they're stuck in this, you know, feeling anger at their kids, triggered by their kids, dead inside because they're not feeling fulfilled. And I think that's just a beautiful process or question you can ask yourself is, how do I want to feel? And that day, it might look like I'm going to get my favorite iced coffee and walk around this park with my kids because I want to feel like I matter and I want to feel um, like I'm connected with my kids. And like sometimes the end result can look like so daunting. And it is true that it's these little daily habits. We can't just skip to the end. Like it's our feelings that turn into our action and our personality. We can't just skip. So I love. Yeah. And even to say that, so I've had a belief for a really long time that parenting is hard and I don't believe in hard things. I believe in emotionally uncomfortable things. And going back to like a moment like that, you have to create what you want and desire. So I became a mom when I was 18 and I was incredibly isolated. And back then I somehow was like, what do I need? Create what you need. And I remember on, you know, it was like Craigslist, but we call it Kijiji in Canada. Mm -hmm. And I put up an ad for a teen mom playgroup. And I met, there was three women and I still talk to one today. And I didn't connect with everybody, but we started doing things together. And there was this sense of connection, the feeling that I crave, which was to belong. And I had to create it. And so many people say, I can't, or this sucks. And like, if you're not aligned with somebody, that's okay. You don't have to be friends with all your kids' parents if they're not your people. And I I opted out of the toxic motherhood culture a long time ago, and I never felt like I belonged in mommy culture. And I had to create my own mommy culture. And I really encourage everybody to do that. Um, if you If you want your kid, you know, you're at the park with your kids and you're like, I don't want to play with you. Like, this is the time for you to play with other people. And I'm going to like listen to a podcast or read a book. And I'm going to be that mom that people are judging because I'm not walking behind you because I want you to gain independence. Um, Just give yourself permission to have the courage to step into a little bit of of the leader you want to be, because that's really where you're going to make the impact in the world. And as long as your children feel loved in your presence, you know, check the box that you're good enough. Mm -hmm. Trust, trust yourself, trust your intuition with those things. I, I agree with that totally. All right, Heather, we're wrapping up on time here and I want to be respectful of that, but we do love to ask all of our guests, um, 
what is currently helping them find magic in their life. There's no holds bar. Mm -hmm. This answer, you anything, anything. Um, so much. I would say putting my phone away and being in nature. Um, it's very emotionally uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. And just doing that intentionally, I would say, is creating magic. And it doesn't feel magical typically <laughs> um, in the beginning. But at the end, um, at the end of the walk or the hike, um, and then when I, quote unquote, force my children to do the same, <laughs> uh, I just put earplugs in and let them get through their digital detox phase, which sometimes takes a few hours or a few days. And then on the other side is where the magic happens. Oh, this is hilarious timing. We just um, read Johan Hari's Stolen Focus for Find the Magic for the podcast. It will be coming out next week um, after your episode. Um, and I, I've currently deleted all apps on my phone for the last, it's been almost a month now, except for like calling, like it's an old person phone now. (laughs) And it's so interesting. There is a detox, but it's amazing how powerful our minds are when they're not distracted. Um, so, um, you feel like you've won the timeline. Yeah, it really is like, it's like, wow, I have so many hours. Like it's amazing. Yes. Beautiful. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. And Heather, as always, we have loved having you. We'll make sure we will link all of the things so all of you can find Heather easily and anything we talked about in this episode. All right. Thanks, everybody. And thank you, Heather. Thank you. If you've enjoyed being with us with Find the Magic, we would so appreciate it and we are so grateful if you could leave us a review. It means a ton to us and it really helps us. So we do read all of the reviews that come through and they mean so, so much to us. One that was just recently posted in the spring is from Jessica Johnston. And when I read this, I was so, so moved. She said, who knew a podcast could be so life-changing? After my first baby, I suffered from crippling postpartum depression and anxiety. I went to a maternal health mental health clinic and my therapist recommended this podcast to me i have been listening ever since two years later i still look forward to every episode and i am now months into my morning practice this podcast has helped give give me tools to love my life feel joy in the present moment and deepen all my most important relationships i am so grateful for these women and their perspective and knowledge i feel like they are my friends and they truly have inspired me to make life-altering changes that are helping me find the magic in my everyday. Jessica, thank you so, so much for this review. This was so meaningful for us, and we all read it, and we're just filled with so much gratitude. And I have to say, we feel like you are our friends too. We are so grateful for all of our listeners. And um, again, thank you so much for this review. It means the world to us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
brown cows. <laughs>